Good morning and welcome to Connection Point. If you've joined us in the previous weeks, you might find that today is going to look a little bit different. As we continue our series, Spring Training, we approach the spiritual practice of simplicity. In light of that, we're going to try to strip away some of the glitz and glamour that we have been doing, or at least trying to be doing, to fully focus on God and the love we have for him. We ask that you open your hearts and minds and focus on the true reason that we gather together on this day. As we continue today, um, I pray that you actually make this next song your prayer. Um, as we talk about simplicity, part of simplicity is allowing all other things to fade away and to become an afterthought as our only thought is God. 
And so as it may be weird to sing in your living room, we ask that at the very least you meditate on the words of the following song. I ask that you sing with me. But if that's too weird, take this as a moment to meditate and to remove all distractions so you can truly focus on God this morning. Speak to me You're the only voice I want to hear Walk with me Show me who you are as I draw near If you're not in it, then I don't want it Let all else fade away Take the whole world, give me Jesus Let all else fade away Satisfy You're the only one I'll ever need Holy fire Burn away the old that stands between If you're not in it then I don't want it Let all else fade away Take the whole world Give me Jesus Let all else fade away Let all else fade away Your name is the only name that matters And your heart is all that I desire Not my will, but yours alone forever Here's my life, have your way Your name is the only name that matters Your heart is all that I not my will, but yours alone forever. Here's my life. Have your way. Here's my life. Have your way. Here's my life. Have your way. If you're not in it, then I don't want it. Let all else fade away. Take the whole world. Give me Jesus. Let all else fade away. Let all else fade away. Let all else fade away. So turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. 
Thank you today for coming and meeting with us. And we pray the simple prayer that you take away all distractions so that today we can fully focus on you. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, my question today is this. It's kind of simple. Um, well, thanks, Chase. You know, I mean, he's leaving, so we'll, he'll be back, but that's okay. Uh, today we continue our series on spring training, wrestling with the reality of things that are happening in our world, things that we're trying to figure out. At the end of this series, we hope you feel a stronger sense of what it looks like to live life seeking after knowing Jesus. This becomes for us such a central thing for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. At the end of the day, we hope that spiritual disciplines become a rhythm in your life, these practices we hope it's not just a spring training or even summer training, it may eventually be, but we hope it's a way of living for us. In fact, here's what I would say. Um, as we think about today's practice of simplicity, I was thinking about how, have you ever wanted something so badly? I mean, you just couldn't wait to get it. You begged for it, you longed for it, and it didn't bring all that you hoped it would. See, I remember when I was in middle school and I had just started really playing competitive tennis and, and I... I took my dad used to like win these point things from work. I mean, your dad probably didn't, but my dad was this weird thing. And he'd get points for selling so many things, and he could get free stuff out of it. But it took a long time to compile the points. And so I had taken that magazine, which my dad had, because it was a big deal. I mean, he had sold a lot to be able to get something out of the catalog. And I would put a note in there by this tennis racket. And I had said, if I can get this, Dad, I won't ask you for anything else. I mean, I must have meant, like, for my birthday or something, because... We all know, I'm sure I asked for much more than that tennis racket. And so I left that note in there. My dad saw that note. My birthday was coming up. He ordered that tennis racket, used many of his points to be able to do that. And on my birthday, he handed me that racket. A week later, I went to my parents and said, hey, can I just get a different racket instead? What I didn't know is my dad had already got the other racket. He was so bummed out that I had wanted something different already. So they gave me the old racket. I ended up saying I loved it and it was fine. But you know what? Not long after that, I wanted a new tennis racket. Because what I found is it didn't make me better. I mean, it was better than what I had, but it didn't make me a better player. Have you ever found that you buy something and it doesn't fulfill all that you hoped it would? In fact, I love this quote. We buy things we do not want to impress people we do not like. Have you ever done that? You bought something to impress someone, and, uh, and you realize you don't even like it. Right? This is the problem for us. We live in a culture that, that has a tendency to live on one extreme or the other. The other extreme that we see culturally all the time is this invitation to minimalist lifestyle. I mean, I think it's kind of cool, but, but also look at like people like Steve Jobs practice minimalism in his clothing, uh, but not the rest of his life because the dude was rich. But here's the reality for many of us. 
this invitation is that we have this opportunity to choose not one extreme or the other, but there's a middle way to live in this. And in fact, what I'm finding is in, in our culture today, we're struggling, we're struggling badly on trying to live in the middle way, this third way of life, this invitation to follow after Jesus. It is a great struggle for us. In fact, I'm seeing it online all the time. And see, so here's, here's where I see it playing out right now. And so maybe lean in a little bit and listen to this. Um, I say this if I'm your pastor, as your pastor, or as your friend, or just some dude you're listening to online right now. I don't know. Right now, I feel like we are living in a culture that's saying, I have to see one way or the other. In other words, here are the polar opposites I see living in the extremes today. We're either people who say, how dare you leave your house? Don't you know how selfish you are? And the assumption is if someone leaves their house and doesn't stay at home, they are only selfish, and they only care about themselves. The other side of that is we go, what are you, so fearful that you, you won't leave your house? So what if people die? The economy's got to keep going. When in reality, I think there's a middle way to live. In fact, I think the practice of simplicity brings us back to that place, because the truth is, somewhere in the middle of those two extremes, here's what I mean. Yes, this virus is real. Yes, People are dying. Yes, there are things we can do individually that help us as a community all around the world live more safely, healthier in these days. There's another side to this as well. Just because someone wants to go to work doesn't mean they don't love people. Just because someone is worried how they're going to feed their family doesn't mean they don't care. In fact, what we're finding is this. The ramifications of all this is having global impact. Did you know today... That, the, that they're projecting up to 100 million people worldwide might die of starvation this year who wouldn't have otherwise died of starvation because of the shutdown of the economy. Did you know today that last month, 891% increase in the mental health hotline, suicide is up. See, the reality is the whole world is global, and so it doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to do our best to play our role in trying to help in this pandemic. But what we find is when we live in the two extremes, we miss the truth in the middle. That's true whether we're someone who buys all the possessions to have all the stuff, or if we renounce everything and choose the ascetic life. That's the reality for us. And so here's where simplicity comes in for us. It helps us know where do we turn. Because that's the question. Where do I turn when I'm trying to figure out how to live in the middle of this world, which we live right here, right now? What am I supposed to do? How do I follow Jesus in these days? How do I love my neighbor well? What does that look like? And so here's the Christian discipline of simplicity, and here's this kind of, I think, helpful kind of definition. The Christian discipline of simplicity is an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. An inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. See, I, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you, you know what, you tell the government officials to, you thumb your nose at them and you go do what you want. No, that's not what I'm saying today. If you're hearing that, you're not hearing well. But what I am saying, there's this invitation to follow after Jesus, this life of simplicity. And it doesn't mean it's just simplistic, because sometimes that's the, the fear we make. But, but there's an invitation to have an inner life that impacts how I live outwardly. Because what I think the world desperately needs today is the hope that some people who claim to follow Jesus are following him well. What I think the world desperately needs today 
is to seek after Jesus in a way that changes everything. And we begin to see the world from that perspective. But how do we see from that perspective? How does God do this inward work so that outwardly it impacts the community in which I live? How do I love people well? See, in our church is trying to partner with kids' food basket, and we're trying to figure out how to help others in these days. And that's real. And if you need help, please reach out. But I got to be honest with you, I keep coming back to the same passage again and again. And as I was researching the spiritual practice of simplicity this week, these words of Jesus kept jumping out of the pages. And so here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow. It's thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, I gotta be honest with you, these words of Jesus, they mess with me again and again. Therefore, do not worry about your life. That's what Jesus began with. I tell you, don't worry about your life. I don't know if you've perused social media much lately, but I see a lot of worrying about our life. And so here's the reality. How do we move into this idea? And it's not that Jesus says, don't care about yourself. Don't love yourself. That isn't what he's saying here. But sometimes what our minds fixate on, it keeps us from living a full life, even in the middle of this pandemic. I mean, like, if, I, if we were in the middle of this, I'd talk way more about the idea of the clothes that we wear. Like we're not defined by the clothes on our back or the zeros in our bank account. That's just not how we're defined. Not in God's eyes. And anyone who defines people in that way, here's my challenge to you. Like, that's really not worth that much in the end. At the end of our lives, we all go in a box. And all my stuff doesn't get to go with me. See, here's, here's a kind of this challenge. What does it look like to live as a people who seek after the simplicity of following Jesus? The key to that entire passage was this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. So what if we quit worrying so much right now? The truth is none of us can control the future. The truth is none of us know what to do next. The truth is none of us know how this is going to end or when it's going to end or what the governor is going to do next or what the president's going to say. We don't know. What I know is this. There'll be a day when God redeems all that is broken in this world. And the truth is I think he often begins in us. This is this inward work that God invites us to, this inward work in which we find that worry does not define us. This inward liberty 
This frees us inwardly so that we can live outwardly without fear and with love as the driving force of our life. Like this is the challenge, this inward reality that liberates us outwardly so that I don't have to be defined by my stuff anymore. The truth is, that's hard for some of us. Have you noticed there's a whole television show called Hoarders because people just want more and more and more and they consume more stuff. And that isn't this simplicity, isn't the renunciation of all of our stuff. That's not what it is. Simplicity is learning to understand and keep our stuff in perspective. I love this quote, and you're not going to see it, so I'm just going to give it to you. It's, this is not a call to renounce all possessions. It's a call to examine what drives our heart. Why do we do what we do? The inward reality is this, that this is the invitation to seek first his kingdom. Then I'll know, am I living in the way of Jesus? Am I living in the way of loving my neighbor as myself? Would I want someone to do this to me? Am I loving others as you love them? I mean, this is the invitation because we can buy all the tennis rackets or all the new pairs of shoes. I almost told a story about I really wanted some Doc Martin boots in high school, right? That dates me, although they're making a comeback apparently. So I don't know where they are. And a landfill somewhere probably with the soles worn off. See, stuff will eventually not last. But God's invitation is this, but seek first his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. And so I love this quote by Richard Foster. The central point in the discipline of simplicity is to seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of his kingdom first and everything necessary will come in its proper order. In other words, if we'll seek God's kingdom first, we don't have to jump into polarization and live on that end or that end. We begin to know what the middle is. We begin to know this invitation where God calls us to live in this. We begin to say, how can I love my neighbor in the middle of a pandemic? I can wear a mask for the sake of the other. If businesses open up or people go back to work or people want to get back to work, I can begin to recognize maybe they're driven by fear. I don't have to be afraid. I can trust my life and my future to God. It doesn't mean I'm going to live forever. It just means I don't have to worry about it. See, the reality of this text is if we were to rest in this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, I actually believe we might finally live a little less anxious. That worry wouldn't define us so much. And I'm I'm not talking about the kind of anxiety that needs therapy. Like, that's okay. You may still need that. But I'm talking about this idea that focus upon the kingdom produces the inward reality. And without the inward reality... Would degenerate into legalistic trivia. Nothing else can be central. The desire to get out of the rat race cannot be central. The redistribution of the world's wealth cannot be central. The concern for ecology cannot be central. Seeking first God's kingdom and the righteousness, both personal and social, of that kingdom is the only thing that can be central in the discipline of simplicity. That's the question, isn't it? Are we willing to seek his kingdom above all else and not our own? Minimalism, there's nothing wrong with it, but you don't have to do it. Buying all the stuff and thinking, well, just my heart that matters, that's not true either. In fact, we're going to look at some inward and outward ideas that might be helpful as we think about how do I practice simplicity? How do I do this? Because simplicity can offer a freedom in life that we may not know, right? So here's just a few things. So these are three inward attitudes for simplicity. We'll just begin with these three inward. 
First one, to receive what we have as gift from God. In other words, if we can see that everything we have is his. Now, some of you are going, well, it's mine. I worked for it. Fine. But if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, what we're saying is this, that I recognize it's all his. And I'm choosing to see it as gift given to me. And so I'm going to view it that way, and it will change inwardly how I begin to understand this. The second point is this, to know that it's God's business and not ours to take care of what we have. I know some of you are going, well, I, I've got to work, and if I don't work, how am I going to get this? Fair, work, do your job. But at the end of the day, what if we learn to just trust just a little more that God is present or that somehow his community of faith is going to come around us and help us take care of what we need? That's the reality. And the third inward thing for us is to have our goods available to others. In other words, everything I have is gift, so I can share with others because it doesn't own me. It doesn't consume me. What I have is not just mine. I don't just hoard it, but I give freely and generously, and I share with other people as a way to live. Now, this next part I'm a little hesitant to do, if I'm honest, <laughs> is to talk about the practical outward ways in which I can practice simplicity. And at first glance, you might go, well, are you really going to share those? Well, I am. And so here's the list, this list of 10 items that we're going to share. They're not rules, because if I'm not careful, we will quickly go into the place where I have to live. It's a rule. I've got to do this. That's not what Jesus invites us to. This life of freedom is not defined by rules. We might find rules of life, or in other words, ways of living, rhythms of living, disciplines or practices that we embrace, but not rules. Remember, this is about an inward reality that begins to impact the world outwardly in my own life. And so here's the list. Number one, to receive what we have as a gift from God. Everything we have is his. We already talked about that. So number one, buy things for their usefulness, not their status. Like this is super practical. Buy things for their usefulness, not their status. That includes cars or clothes or houses, whatever. Number two, reject anything that is producing an addiction in you, right? Addictions don't have to be the things we often think of. It can be non-essential things like a Coca-Cola, a cup of coffee, iced tea, alcohol. It can be media, social media, news, magazines, etc. It can be money or technology, whatever it is that produces in us addiction. And you know how you know when you're maybe leaning towards an addiction? It's when you can't have it or you can't do it and you feel like you're missing out. Number three, develop a habit of giving things away. Just give stuff away and give stuff away you actually like. Number four, refuse to be propagandized by the custodians of modern gadgetry. In other words, technology has its place. Don't let it own you. If your technology owns you, maybe we don't need it. Number five, Learn to enjoy things without owning them. Number six, develop a deeper appreciation for the creation. Number seven, look with a healthy skepticism at all, quote, buy now, end quote, buy, pay later schemes. For those of us in terms of money, debt is a master, and we don't want to be its slave. Number eight, obey Jesus' instruction about plain, honest speech. Be people who speak with integrity and truth. Number nine, reject anything that breeds the oppression of others. How do I do that? Well, pay attention to what you buy, where you buy it from, and what they do. Look for systems of oppression 
and injustice and make sure we don't say things like that's just how it is. Instead, be people who are advocates to end the oppression. Number 10, shun anything that distracts you from seeking first the kingdom of God. See, here's what I believe in these days. (laughs) The world desperately needs people living a new way living into this way of Jesus, this invitation to this renewed life, this invitation to know him and to know him well, this idea that we're going to live into the way that Jesus modeled, because he modeled for us a way of life that invites us into this. I mean, Jesus celebrated with others. There were times there was extravagant things done, even with finances. Jesus did all kinds of stuff, but he lived with generosity. He lived with hope. He lived a new way. He lived in the middle, not in the extreme on either end where it said, it's got to be this or it's got to be that. He challenged with questions and invitations to new ways of living. And so let's make sure in these days we don't live on the polar opposites, but maybe we choose the, the discipline, the practice of simplicity, because in that we find true freedom, because Christ begins to free us internally and we begin to see that externally in our life all around us. That inward reality becomes outward reality in our life. And so those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus today, may we embrace simplicity as a way of life. May we find that by practicing that, we entered a training with that, our spring training, that the world we begin to see with new eyes. And it's as if we recognize the words in the scriptures that say, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And what happens when we practice simplicity is we begin to see with the eyes of Jesus. We get to hear with his ears. And then our life becomes more and more a reflection of his life. Will you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for these moments in which we're able to gather together. We're able to celebrate the way in which you love us and you come near to us. And you invite us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And all these other things will be given unto us as well. And so this is the invitation for us today. To become more and more the people of God who practice your spiritual disciplines that live in that way, that we embrace these practices as a way of life for us. And we find we seek you first. We live with hope. Hope that you really are going to do what you say you're going to do. Hope because we see the way love impacts our neighbor and our community. Hope because we believe we really can make a difference in this world. So Father, we love you today. We pray that we look more and more like your people. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. As a reminder today, as you go about whatever it is you're doing on our website at connectionpointmi.com, we have available there resources, and those resources are to continue to help us in living out these practices, these spiritual trainings, if you will. And here's the reality for us. Because simplicity, we made it so simple today, we actually are going to try to make it a little more complex online. What I'm really saying is this. There are more notes available, and so I hope you'll check it out on our website under our spring training tab. We look forward to connecting more. Will you join us as we have one more song together? I come in simply Longing for purity to worship you 
in spirit and truth only you Lord strip it all away till only you remain I'm coming back to my first love only
my heart will sing how I love. 